the Bible Study Podcast, episode 350. Today, the Bible Study Podcast really finishes the study of the Gospel of John. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your rather embarrassed host, Chris Christensen. As someone pointed out to me, John apparently has 21 chapters, and we only covered 20 before I moved on to something else. I don't know how I lost a chapter of John. I just wasn't paying attention, apparently. Which is funny, because I actually referred to this chapter, I believe, a couple chapters ago. So I did know of its existence. In my defense, I am teaching a Bible study on Romans at Juvenile Hall, going through the Bible with a program called The Story at our church, and then personally reading Psalms, and sometimes I just get confused. (laughs) But in any case, let's do John 21. In case you've forgotten the book of John, which we covered only two chapters ago, we left in John 20 with the resurrection, that story that John was really getting to, and we continue on with the other appearances of Jesus after he appears to the disciples in the upper room. John 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. There were fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the third time, as the Bible says, that Jesus is appearing the disciples. And it's also the second time that we have this trouble with recognizing who Jesus is. And we don't know what it is about him that was harder to recognize. Mary had the trouble in the garden, but she was a little distracted. In this case, they're sitting with him, and yet he's not immediately recognizable. John recognizes Jesus when they're still 100 yards out, so he's not impossible to recognize. But there is something different about him, this resurrected Jesus. And probably that also implies that there will be something different about our resurrected bodies. Now, I can think of a few things that I would want changed in a resurrected body. A few less pounds, for instance. Perhaps not the scar from having my appendix out. Not sure what other changes. Eh, Probably straighter teeth would be another good thing. A couple of interesting things in this story, though, is one is they've gone back fishing. Now, Pentecost hasn't come yet. They haven't yet been commissioned. They really don't know exactly necessarily what they're supposed to do. And fishing is something that they have done. Whether they're going back fishing because they think they're returning to the occupation or whether they're just bored and Peter says, let's fish because, heck, we're fishermen. 
we don't really know. It doesn't come up in the story. We do get the precise number of fish they caught and that they had fished all night. And yet, despite the fact that they were professional fishermen who knew what they were doing, some yahoo on the shore who they don't even recognize says, hey, why don't you throw it over the other side of the boat? And we don't know whether they just desperate. Was there something about the authority in which Jesus said it? Was it perhaps that authority that John recognized? We don't really know the setting here, but we know that despite the fact they've been fishing all night, when Jesus suggests a small change in their technique, they suddenly have so many fish that they end up just dragging the net to the shore rather than pulling the net into the boat. And of course, it's not made any easier by the fact that as soon as Peter hears that this is Jesus, he jumps into the water. He jumps in the water to see Jesus. And wouldn't you... But on the other hand, it's kind of mean to the guys who are still in the boat. But they come in anyway, and they see Jesus, and Jesus has made them breakfast. Perhaps not my favorite breakfast, but it also reminds me of... Jesus has done things with loaves and fish before. They have seen him feed the 5,000. They have seen him feed the 4,000. And now he again is breaking loaves and fish. But the reason why John tells this story is probably this next section. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to them, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. We get this encounter with Jesus and Peter. And remember, it wasn't that many nights ago that Peter denied Jesus three times. And so much has been made about the fact that three times Jesus says, do you love me? And three times he commissions Peter to feed his sheep, to feed his lambs, to be the shepherd for his people. And then also predicts And John can see from the time that John is writing the gospel that this is a prediction of how Peter will die. Now, the other thing that tells us is John is writing after Peter's death. And the common thinking is that Mark, which is the first of the gospels written, was written also after Peter's death and is predominantly Peter's gospel. And that John, of course, being the last of the Gospels written, therefore, would have all of that information and would know the kind of death that most of the disciples have died by the time of his writing. And it continues on and actually closes, and it really closes the book. There is no extra chapter after this. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, What is that to you? 
This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And so with this, John tells that apparently there has been a rumor, and John being the last of the apostles left, that maybe John is not going to die until Jesus comes again. And John is setting the record straight, is one of the things that I think he's trying to do here, that Jesus never said that. You may have heard that, but that isn't what he said, and it's important that you understand that, because John is going to die here sometime soon. But also, I think that whole conversation between Peter and Jesus about John is a relevant one for us. Because Peter needs to live Peter's life, and Peter needs to do what God wants him to do. And really, the question is, if something else is planned for this other guy, what is that to you? We sometimes want to play comparison, and that is a game invented in hell. We sometimes want to say, you know, why don't I have the gifts that that person has? Why does that person have that? Why don't I have that? That doesn't seem fair. And I suspect that you've discovered by this point already that life is not fair. And in this chapter, Jesus isn't even promising fair. What he's saying is, you must follow me. You need to do what I'm asking you to do. I had a manager who was the first manager I had after I graduated college, and we were working on a really hard problem at one time, doing a lot of extra hours. And for my reward, I was given a few days off. Well, one of the other people on the team wasn't given a few days off. For one thing, this person never took the vacation they were given. That reward wouldn't have made any sense. And this manager was smart enough to understand that the way to reward him was to give him a harder problem. Similarly, just because you love your kids the same doesn't mean you treat them the same. They may have different desires. They may have different abilities. And Jesus is saying in the same way that God treats us as he chooses to treat us and with a reason. But what is that to you? What is that to me? We need to follow him. And with that, we really, truly, honestly do wrap up the Gospel of John. And next week, we'll go back to the study of the book of Psalms. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. What do you do when the world around you is falling apart? It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air. They're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more.